Hi, and welcome to Babes with Balls, a podcast for the gutsy women calling Aussie sport their own. I'm Sarah, and today's episode is a little bit different. We recorded this a few months ago when the AFLW season was about to begin. The COVID pandemic was not yet on our radars, and there was no foresight that the AFLW season would end without finals or a premiership winner named. However, in the spirit of what this odd year has offered, we were recording during the last disaster that gripped us earlier in 2020, being the Australian bushfires. Taylor was commentating at the Australian Open and due to smoke haze, play had been suspended until the evening. That means you guys are stuck with just me today. So, on to the guest. She's a former number one draft pick and has battled her way through injury to play what she loves. Please enjoy my chat with Izzy Huntington. Um, I am currently an AFW player for the Western Bulldogs, so um, grew up sort of as a footy-loving kid and always played throughout my childhood. And then um, a few years ago when I became uh, draft eligible, uh, turning 18, I uh, got the opportunity to get drafted to the Dogs and have played there ever since. So, um, yeah, absolutely love that side of it and I'm looking forward to the coming season and have really enjoyed my time at the Dogs so far and, and that's the sort of football side of me. And outside of that, I'm currently studying science at Melbourne Uni as well, so um, it's a good little mix that I have, um, and yeah, just really love that balance. So talk to us about how you got started in footy, because you've been around sort of since the inception of AFLW. How, did you grow up playing footy the whole time? Yeah, yeah, so I was um, five years old or something when I started, so pretty young. I had two older brothers that I probably followed, followed along um, to too many games and got a bit impatient on the sidelines and decided I want to give it a crack. So I um, started I was kick at age five and worked my way through the pathways from there. So I played junior footy with the boys until I was 14 and then um, youth girls footy after that and then was lucky enough to be involved in a few of the sort of academies growing up um, towards my under-18s year and then drafted from there. So I've sort of always been involved in footy, which I think we are now seeing the next um, crop of, of young players coming through that have had that opportunity to sort of play all their lives but a lot of the, the players older than me haven't had that opportunity so they've sort of come in later or haven't quite had um, you know the access to the academy so it's an interesting mix but I was sort of lucky enough to play from a very young age. Had to finish up with um, my mixed or, or boys career in under 14 so after that I wasn't really sure where I was going to go because there weren't too many options and at that stage even it was only a few years ago um, the sort of youth girls competitions at the time weren't all that developed and um, I didn't really have a team that was all that close to me I ended up playing for Melbourne Uni which was awesome but um, it was sort of a shift from um, the the junior league that I've played in which was the South Metro Junior Footy League so moved over to youth girls after that but um, yeah there was a stage where I sort of was questioning whether I had a future in the game and um, whether I'd have those opportunities growing up and I certainly didn't ever think until a few years ago that I'd have an opportunity to play professional footy. That's definitely um, sort of only come along in, in recent years. But, yeah, I sort of just went with it. And uh, I think my love of the game just, uh, yeah, sort of led me along and, and made me continue playing. But there were a few barriers along the way, definitely. What were those barriers? Obviously, you said that there were times when you had a few questions about it. What were the other barriers outside of obviously not being a professional avenue for women yet? Yeah, I think um, growing up as a young girl playing 
traditionally male-dominated sport was uh, difficult at times. Like, I was lucky enough to play for a club and have a really supportive family that um, really embraced me as a female player, but I do know other players that didn't have the same treatment and you get comments out on the field like, you know, footy's a man's game or what are you doing? And they don't a lot of the players don't really take you for the player you are and they focus too much on the gender, which um, I think has changed so much now, which is awesome. But those were definitely sort of discouraging at the time growing up as a, a young tucker that just wanted to go out and kick the Sharon. So um, that was sort of the first barrier that I faced in playing football. Um, there were structural ones as well, like the fact that girls couldn't play over a certain age with with that team or, um, yeah, in certain competitions. And then I guess the next challenges that I faced in going into youth girls footy at under-18 stage was it wasn't funded or developed all that well. So, you know, the teams were sort of forfeiting every second week in the leagues I played in at the start and the facilities were poor and, um, yeah, we didn't quite have the numbers. So I talk about it, like, as a bit of a transition in terms of the challenges I had. Uh, different challenges along the way and then um, more recently personally I've probably had injury setbacks but um, yeah it hasn't always been the smoothest uh, sailing road but I've definitely loved every minute of it and I think all those different challenges sort of taught me a lot along the way and built up resilience which is great. Yeah definitely resilience which you've needed. The, when you talk about the facilities limitations and, and the difference between the men's and the women's it's probably that much harder having brothers and watching them have facilities that the women just don't have as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I think it's hard for a, a young kid to understand that as well. Like, I was five when I started and then growing up I was pretty naive, I guess, to sort of what the realities were, unfortunately. And, um, yeah, so it's sort of hard to understand why my brothers got certain things and certain opportunities that I didn't or, um, you know, my cousin that's the same age as me who's now playing for Carlton got certain opportunities that I didn't. But um, I think we're seeing progress. We've still got a very long way to go, but I think we are definitely seeing some positive progress and I think it taught me probably to, to challenge things a lot more than I probably would have if I hadn't had those experiences and really step up when I think things aren't right. So um, if we can take a positive out of that, then there's definitely silver linings in it. Yeah, you certainly have to look at the silver linings, don't you? And I don't think yeah. that you were that naive because I still struggle to understand why there's such a disparity in the men's and women's games. So um, maybe <laughs> yeah. you're smarter than you're giving yourself credit for when you're five. It's a very good point. A very good point. <laughs> so fast forward to 2017, uh, five-year-old you started with your brothers playing footy at the local club and 2017 you are picked as number one draft pick. Let's talk about how that felt. Did you expect it? What was the process heading into that? Yeah, it was um, a pretty surreal day, obviously, on draft day, but just a year in general. Um, things had sort of all come along pretty quickly and as I said, growing up, up until a certain stage, till probably I was 15 or 16, I just had no idea that there would be that opportunity for women to play uh, professionally. Um, I probably started off when I was really young and didn't really understand the system, saying, telling people that I wanted to play AFL when they asked me what I, what I wanted to do when I grew up. And then it sort of reached a certain point where I understood that there wasn't that opportunity, unfortunately, and had to sort of think of other things. And then to have that dream reignited a few years later was just awesome. And then for me to 
be involved in the pathways and then get my chance to be drafted as well and, and be drafted to the Dogs, which have been such an awesome club, is just huge. So, I don't know. It's um, Yeah, it was just an amazing year. Um, I did have an injury setback that year, and but I had year 12 going on, which was stressful but it was a lot of fun and then obviously the draft and that day was just incredible and I think yeah that and my debut were probably the two most memorable moments that I'll I'll have in my career and, and I have had so far so um, yeah hard to forget. Oh definitely and we'll get to the debut in a minute. On the draft day you sort of you come out of the room and you're grabbed by uh, media and clubs and you've got to go get straight into the into the jumper and what is it like coming straight off the stage having no idea that you're going to be number one draft pick and being thrust into that environment where I mean I'm not sure if you felt a lot of pressure from that or um, if you were prepared what did they let you know that you were going to be picked first? Yeah so I I uh, was actually fortunate enough to sort of find out the night before the dogs did a bit of a media piece where they surprised me at my door um, at home <laughs> the night before so I actually did know the night before which was good in terms of settling the nerves a little bit um, but yeah, it's still a, a fairly big jump to sort of, yeah, be thrown into the, the pool of media, circling media people after the draft. But it was a good experience. Um, I think, yeah, all, all the draftees are in the same boat. They're, you know, young, 18, probably haven't had much experience with the media before. But, um, you know, as long as they can get through interviews with hopefully not saying anything too bad, they're good. <laughs> I think it's just that, like, almost that raw um yeah, side of them that they get um, as draftees. They're not sort of conditioned and tuned to um, churning out all the cliches, although I've been told that I'm notorious for that by my brother. But, um, <laughs> yeah, you get you get that raw side of it, which is good. Well, that's the real positive of I was lucky enough to be in the media scrum of um, the women's draft this year, and that's one of the real standouts. And it also is quite different to the men's, not in a good or a bad way. But um, there seems to be a lot more raw emotion and a lot more emotion between the players as well. Everyone that gets picked is just so excited. No one is, appears to be upset where they come in. They're just happy to have been picked. Did you feel that? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, the AFL in gen- AFLW sorry, in general has got uh, a really amazing sort of camaraderie between the players. I think a lot of them have sort of grown up playing together or played VFLW together prior to getting drafted or have been in academies together. So um, we're all sort of mates across the team, um, teams, which is good. And particularly on draft day, you know, you probably played under 18 footies with a lot of those players and then to see them get drafted, you know, you might be shattered that they're not at the same club as you, but it's just a generally very exciting day. And then, yeah, you do get that raw emotion, which is awesome. And everyone, um, yeah, is, is coming off one of the most exciting sort of moments of their life. So you do, um, yeah, good, get a good chance as media to get that insight into what they're feeling. Was your family there on the day? They were, yep, yep. So mum and dad knew um, for me that I was going to the dogs because they were there the night before. They were actually part of the whole um, surprise thing, which was um, interesting. But then, um, yeah, I had my grandparents and my brother there as well and they didn't know where I was going. So that was good for them to be a bit surprised. My brother got stuck into me for not telling him um, that I knew after. But, um, no, it was good. It was just amazing. Um, it was my last... Actually, my last day of school that day as well. So all my um, schoolmates were watching the draft on the big projector at school as well. So I got an amazing video of them all going wild. Oh. And all that stuff. So, yeah. 
Did you have to go back to school? Yeah, so it was like that was the last official day, so I had to miss most of that. But then I had valedictory day the next day, so we had our sort of service and then our valedictory dinner the next night. So I was back at school, and it was um, yeah, a pretty amazing couple of days, that's for sure. And you still managed to do very well and get into science. Do you think that doing so well at school had anything to do with your discipline as an athlete? Do you think it's sort of, uh, you know, you're organised and, um, and disciplined? Do you think that that's sort of just part of your personality? Yeah, I think it probably plays in. Um, I actually look back on year 12 and sort of think, I don't know how I did all of that in terms of fitting things into the day like you know you'd get up super early to go to school and then study all day and then train after and um yeah it was just a a really hectic time and then you know you'd have stuff on the side social stuff leadership stuff and whatnot so um but I reckon in a way I think being busy sort of made me more productive so um you know I was driven and I, I knew how to sort of get things done in an efficient way so um I think it definitely helped and I think the balance was good as well not being too consumed in the footy world or not being too consumed in the school world, on the other hand, was good. So I sort of had outlets on either side to sort of de-stress. Yeah. How do you find it now being... Do you do you find it uh, easy to be consumed by the footy world now or have you managed to keep that balance? I'm pretty big on keeping the balance because um, I know it works for me and I think uh, I've seen, you know... You know, sometimes in me, sometimes in other people, that the footy world can be very consuming, and you know we don't intentionally get consumed by it. But if you if you don't have that balance in life, and you sort of don't um, prioritise other things at times, you can get really sucked in, which is hard. I think sort of my injuries, my long term injuries, have played into that a little bit as well. So I've sort of realised the value in having other things in life. And um, you know, I do absolutely love footy, but um, you know if you're too consumed in footy and then you get a long-term injury, then it can really be quite damaging. So, um, you know, for my own mental health, I think having that balance has been really vital. Oh, and for you, it's work. It's the same as people not being able to switch off their laptop when they go home after 5 o'clock. It's it's your job. So, um, yeah, I mean, that makes a huge difference too. You need to be able to find that balance, I suppose, as you said, to mental health. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, footy is an amazing job. Um, I'm lucky to be able to do it myself and and to have got drafted. But um, yeah, it can definitely be all consuming and there's lots of pressure and media and sort of external things that can get you as well. So um, yeah. Podcasts. Yeah, podcasts. (laughs) Oh, all these podcasters. (laughs) No, no. Um, Yeah, so that, that, that balance is vital for me. Yeah. So you've mentioned your long-term injuries. Let's fast forward to round one. You make your debut, which you said was uh, one of the two most exciting moments of your career, and it was a win over Fremantle. Is that right? Yep, that's correct. And you played a belter and uh, continued that into the second game, but towards the end of that game, it didn't quite go as planned, did it? Talk us through that. Yeah, so had the debut um, in round one, obviously, which was awesome. I'm not sure I played a belter, but um, the team got the win, which was awesome. But I managed to get my hands on it, you know, a, a few times, which I'll take for a first game. So it was a 24-point so... win or 25-point win. <laughs> yeah, 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 it was awesome. Yeah, yeah. It was awesome. Home crowd as well, which was amazing. Like, I think we had close to 10,000 at Witten, and it's such a good environment there as well. It's an amazing atmosphere, and um, that was incredible. And then um, flew up to Brisbane the next week for round two, and um, I think. 
it was like 36 degrees or something. We were playing in scorching heat, um, but it was super exciting and um, managed to kick my first goals in AFLW, which was um, an amazing moment. And I think someone, everyone sort of looks forward to that um, in their AFLW or AFL careers. So that was awesome for me, but um, it all sort of came crashing down a few minutes later, um, went for a, a loose ball and accidentally, or, you know, unintentionally clearly uh, <laughs> for my ACL in sort of the contest when changing direction. So um, it was a bit of a, a roller coaster of emotions that, but, um, you know, we're here, here now almost two years later, so I got through it. <laughs> what was that moment like? Do you remember much of it? Um, yeah, it's pretty vivid. I think anyone that's sort of had a long-term injury or a serious injury or, you know, any injury at all um, will probably know how vivid they can be. And um, for me, having torn my ACL before, I sort of knew exactly what it felt like and what it sounded like and, and all of the sort of sensations. So I immediately knew it was an ACL, which um, I don't know whether that was better or worse for sort of me mentally at the time, but um, I sort of had to swallow that pill pretty quickly and um, yeah remember getting stretched off and then into the rooms and we had another win which was awesome and I got to sing the song with them which was great and then straight onto a, a plane home to Brisbane and we had like a three hour delay or something and we were didn't get home till 3 a.m. or something crazy wow. like that but um, yeah so fairly memorable day that one. How'd you go sing the song after the green whistle? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't get the green whistle, unfortunately. Um, yeah, I've been pestering my doctors ever since um, to, to give it to me. But um, <laughs> give me a no, go. I was, I was unlucky. I don't think they have them up in Brisbane. But <laughs> surely, <laughs> surely. What have I got to do to get the green whistle? The, the green whistles <laughs> haven't made their way to Queensland yet. <laughs> no, they haven't. Slow technology up there. <laughs> so you said you hung around. You were able to sing the song and get on the plane with the girls. But were you able to keep perspective on it? I mean, you said you've done it before, but you just come off this huge high. You've just finished year 12, your number one draft pick. Were you able to keep perspective on the fact that this isn't a forever thing, you'll be able to recover, or was there real heartbreak in that moment? Um, it was probably a bit of a mixture of emotions, to be honest, um, at, you know, the, the very moment. They told me it was an ACL. The doctors sort of do tests while you're at the ground and they're not 100% sure with the tests, but they're pretty confident. So I shed some tears then and sort of got my emotions out uh, with um, Dad and my brother Ferg were in the room too and a few of my teammates. So I was able to get their emotions out then and it's pretty heartbreaking to be honest because I knew what the rehab was like and I knew it was going to be a year-long one and you know I was going to miss the rest of the season. But at the same time, yeah, I think you sort of get that perspective I knew that, yes, it was a long rehab, but I can definitely get through it as I had before. And, um, you know, there are a lot worse things that can happen to you in life than tearing an ACL. So um, you soon sort of get surrounded by your teammates with their support and, and their smiles. And they really got around me that day, which was awesome. And having the win definitely, um, you know, brightens you up. So, yeah, ha having a laugh on the plane with the girls and, and them just getting around me was, um, yeah, really sort of spirit lifting and um, yeah so I think you have that immediate heartbreak but then as time goes on you sort of do get to see the perspective. And did you manage to have conversations with other players that had done it before or did anyone reach out to you and act as a mentor throughout that year-long recovery process? 
Yeah, definitely. And I spoke of the camaraderie in AFLW and how amazing that is. I sort of was flooded with really, really lovely messages from people, whether I'd played with them before or whether, whether I'd never met them or they were sort of just supportive of AFLW. It was so, so lovely to see. And, um, yeah, I was lucky enough to have a few people in my life that have sort of done it before or had had that experience of going through an ACL. So um, at the club in particular, at the Dogs, Astro Connor had done one a few years before and she'd um, been a great mentor to me in my first ACL. So to have her there was really beneficial for me. And she's, um, yeah, someone that helps you get perspective as well she can be a fair hard nut um and you know she tells you how it is and that's very good got a bit of a sense of humor too doesn't she 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 sure does (laughs) absolutely we love us um but then yeah it was sort of at that time as well there were a few other players that had recently torn acls so she got together a bit of a group um a little acl club if you like um and (laughs) had a few catch-ups which is awesome so it was good to be able to chat to them and just see how their recoveries are going and um yeah just really band together and something that's you know not so fun to go through by yourself yeah and that as we said silver linings before but being able to build those bonds with players from across the um, competition, not necessarily other players from the doggies, um, was probably one of the silver linings, would you say? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I still, you know, see a lot of those girls quite often and they're lovely people, so that's really huge and um, you can hang out with them heaps in the off-season and, um, yeah, I think that's definitely one of the silver linings in and people um, really offer up their support in times like that as well, which is great and I'm sure you can lean on anyone in that time and, you know, go and do a running session with them or have a kick or just have a coffee if you need. Yeah, and I promise this is the last ACL question. (laughs) No worries. How did it go, the year-long process, obviously there's physical recovery, but emotional recovery, you would think that even the most mentally strong person would let it get to them at some point. Did you have times where you found it difficult to cope when you were, especially um, maybe during the season when your team was still playing and and everyone else was um, fit and healthy, did you find it challenging at any point to sort of stay on top of focused on on your recovery and and how it was all going? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think anyone that's been through the process or had a similar injury would know how difficult it can be. And um, I sort of probably learnt to put on a brave face a little bit throughout the first part of it all. Um, You know, throughout the first even ACL or second ACL, I sort of just uh, often would put on a brave face and I knew I had the support around me if I needed, but I'd sort of just try and cheer myself up that way and and use perspective. But um, it's probably not until sort of more recently that I've realised that I probably actually do need to let that out sometimes and, and not just bottle it up and pretend to be fine at times when I'm not and I think you know we in sporting culture is a little bit like that sometimes you're you're told to yeah just sort of get on with things and I think we're seeing a change in that now which is awesome and we're seeing um, you know that sort of vulnerability piece come in and uh, much more of an emphasis on mental health which is awesome so yeah for me I you know had absolute breakdowns at times and they've probably come more recently to be honest when I've had the the smaller setbacks than the bigger ones which sounds sort of counterintuitive but I think once you get closer to playing um, you're sort of itching to get back on the field more so um, yeah I've had moments you know you go through times where you don't want to do it and you're just like 
stuff this. I can't be bothered anymore. And then the next week you might be beaming. So it's a real roller coaster. And um, I think I'm glad I've managed to, in recent times, just sort of prioritise my mental state with it all and, and realise that it's okay to go through those bad moments and it's okay to express that. And, you know, I've really probably learnt when to lean on people that I need to lean on and, and when to sort of find help with that as well. For sure. And you said that Aster was a really great mentor throughout your injury. Who is one of your big inspirations now? And it doesn't have to be a sporting inspiration, but who's been really pivotal in helping you along um, to where you are now, which is fit and healthy and um, revving up to start in a few weeks? Good question. God, there are, there are a lot. Um, it, I'd be going through a very large list if I had the time but um, if I can think off the top of my head um, it's a bit left to feel because she's not playing um, with us anymore she's moved up to the Gold Coast now but Tiana Ernst was huge for me um, as a mentor more sort of more in an off-field perspective as well. She's a doctor herself, so um, that's off-field perspective I gained from her and um, I sort of got, um, you know, the benefit of being able to see the balance that she leads um, in her life and, and how she sort of does that all and she's incredibly inspirational. So if you, you know, she's almost one of the first people I think of when with the word inspirational women come up um, because she's just unreal and she just works so hard and um, yeah I was really lucky to have her as a teammate at the Dogs and um, she's gone up to Gold Coast now but would love to have her back at some stage but yeah in in terms of that um, that balance and um, what she's doing off the field and what I want to do off the field as well I think she was huge yeah well that's great and I suppose there's probably been people outside of footy you said that your family's always been super, super supportive um, of your sporting career. How, is that, how does that translate to um, uni life now and, and balancing everything with your family and, and study as well? Yeah, they've been awesome too, the family, the whole time. They've sort of, um, yeah, been super open to me just choosing my own direction, which is great um, because I know a lot of people can sort of get caught up in what their parents want them to do or sort of what, you know, their parents did themselves. So I've been really lucky to have that support from my family to choose my own journey and go my own way. And, um, yeah, it's definitely helped in where I am now and being out of balance footy and then study as well and I'm fortunate that I'm really interested in both of them so um, I enjoy both aspects but it's yeah it's absolutely pivotal to have that support as well while you're doing that. Yeah definitely and especially through the tough times the last couple of years I'm sure it's really important to have people outside of footy to give you help give you that perspective I suppose. Yeah, definitely. I think I spoke before about how consuming it can be at times. So you've got to keep uh, a really close-knit group outside of footy as well and um, make sure you're not, your life's not, you know, footy, footy, footy all the time. You need to have a bit of a break. Where to from now? What are you up to now? How are you looking for round one? And um, and I suppose uni must be starting up soon. What What's happening in your world now? Yeah, so round one will be, I think it's 20, 23 days or something now, so pretty soon. Not that you're um, counting. <laughs> not that I'm counting, no, no. I got told that today, I swear. <laughs> but, um, no, so that, that's coming up pretty quickly. We'll have a few practice matches between now and then, which will be great because I'm as keen as ever to get some minutes in the legs on the track and I know my teammates are too, so we're really looking forward to that. Um, we're feeling good as a team and as a club and feeling as close as ever, which is awesome. And, um, yeah, at, at 
a few weeks after round one, I'll start uni again. So that'll start to get hectic then. I've got the benefit right now of not having too much to do in terms of uni. So I can sit back and focus on footy for a lot. But um, I'll have to sort of prepare myself pretty well to be organised when uni starts. And, um, yeah, to be going through the season at that time as well, which I'm so excited about. I just, yeah, I'm really keen to get some uh, games in me this year and, and keep working with the team. So are you thinking that... Um, at the moment, how's the body feeling and will you be ready for round one? Yeah, yeah, it's feeling really good. I'm just loving being out on the field. Every opportunity that we get to, you know, match them or any um, sort of practice games I'm, you know, jumping out for, I'm really excited about that. So I'll be good for round one body-wise, definitely. Um, We've sort of just been managing the load across the past few months and um, yeah making sure I'm going to be right by them but there'll be no issues there um, you know touch wood <laughs> but yeah. no issues there so yeah I'm really really excited I didn't get the opportunity last season to um, start round one because I was still injured so I had to wait till round five but it'd be awesome it's always such an exciting feeling because that wait between seasons is huge obviously so it's so exciting to to start back up again and, and we can't wait Oh, well, thank you so much for having a chat to us, Iz. You've been an absolute pleasure. And good luck for the season. We're so excited to see how you go. Thanks so much, Iz. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Thanks, Iz. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Babes with Balls. Next time, we'll have Taylor back, but we really appreciate you supporting every episode that we put out. Please don't forget to click subscribe, follow us on Instagram, or join our private Facebook group. Thanks, guys.